Welcome to Crazy Enough to Win. I'm your host, John Grubbs. Welcome to another powerful episode. Because today we're going to talk about something that listeners around the world will find interesting. Is New York City dying? Will New York City survive COVID-19? And when I mean survive, I mean, are they going to survive intact? I mean, there's no question that New York is not going away. But I want to share with you some interesting information that I've been talking about since we've witnessed the pandemic, the shift in workplace attitudes, and violence within our cities. And I have this firm belief that that real estate is going to be the proverbial nail in the coffin for major cities like New York, Chicago, and others who depend on not only people living in those cities and paying taxes, but businesses paying rent in the form of office space. So remember, the real estate market is going to be a key in whether or not these cities survive. And the, the, the reflex, the instinct by these city leaders is to tax. Well, if you can't tax a business that no longer exists in your city, who will you tax next? Is it the people? And at what point do you run out of people with the capacity to pay your taxes? So some of these cities who have, well, who have not been properly run and have been encumbered by high debt loads are going to be the first to fall. And I know there are some, there are some responsible cities that, that don't fit this narrative. But I want you to think about what this portends for cities coming out of COVID-19. So this is real estate. This is talking about Manhattan. And if there is an epicenter for business and real estate in this country, it has to be Manhattan. And listen to this, well, powerful article in the Wall Street Journal. And I'm going to refer to it a few times. But Manhattan offices are nearly empty, threatening New York City's recovery. Wow. You think about all of those office spaces that would be fed daily by commuters coming into the city to make a living. And with people working from home and finding success in that medium, how many are going to come back? How many business owners are going to say, whoa, 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 maybe I don't have to spend tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in rent to lease a space for my business. Hmm. And as of this podcast, about one in 10 office workers have returned since COVID-19 hit. And that's fewer than elsewhere hurting New York City businesses. Wow. 
And Manhattan office employees are returning at a pace that is much slower than other U.S. cities. And it's raising the risk that New York faces a protracted and painful recovery from this virus, much more so than the rest of the United States. And Wall Street bankers, well, they've been trickling back to their glass towers while real estate firms tried to set an example by encouraging staff to return in force. But most of New York City's lawyers, media, publishing employees, tech industry workers have stayed away. This is according to real estate brokers in the city. And overall, about 10% of Manhattan office workers were back as of mid-September. Wow. And this is a modest uptick. It was 6 to 8% in July. And, you know, since offices closed in March because of the pandemic. And this stretch of near empty office buildings has been debilitating on the effect of Midtown Manhattan and other business districts, leading many small shops and restaurants to shut down for good. There's no one to buy their coffee. There's no one to buy their sandwiches. They've evaporated in the wake of this virus. And I don't think it's just the virus. I think it's a shift, a wholesale shift because of real estate. I firmly believe that if you're an enterprise in Manhattan paying that high rent, that you're going to realize that we don't necessarily have to live in Manhattan to be able to service our customers. People can work from home. We can live wherever and still do our work. Now let's compare that to nationally. Nationally, about 25% of office workers have returned as of this month. That's on average, and that's according to real estate service firms. And that some large cities are higher. Dallas is at 40%. Los Angeles is at 32%. And the reoccupation rate in New York suburbs is 32%. And this is from a company called CBRE that manages 20 million square feet of office property in the New York area. And this low rate has been devastating and it's disappointed city officials who have been counting on people to return to work after Labor Day. And, you know, it's affecting private schools. It's affecting families. Uh, with New York struggling to contain the virus, it has had a much lower per capita rate of new, of new COVID-19 infections than in cities with much higher percentages of workforce who are back at their desks. So what does this mean? Well, I think they all expected the reoccupancy rate to be at 10 to 25% rather than 10%. And that's what's going on in the rest of the country. But a number of civic and business leaders say New York's reliance on mass transit, you've heard me talk about mass transit. I said in the beginning of this pandemic that mass transit was the fuel for the virus in New York. So mass transit and concerns about the new coronavirus spread through the subways, businesses, regional trains has kept many people working from home. 
Cities that have more driving commuters have seen a higher percentage of workers return. Hmm. We talked about this back in March, didn't we? So some also say there that the delays in New York City public schools reopening has made parents reluctant to return to the office if it means leaving a child at home alone. Hmm. Powerful. So what does that mean? While most frontline New York City employees have returned to work or want to return to work? Well, politicians haven't announced plans to bring back the white-collar workforce. And this is depressing office turnout. Well, guess what? That shouldn't be a surprise. The city leaders in some of these cities are getting what they asked for. If you want to create fear about this virus, then guess what? There is going to be a consequence. People are not going to return if they're afraid. And, you know, a spokesperson for the city leadership said that they are going to continue to release updated guidance for workers who return in full. Well, that doesn't do anything to prevent fear. And New Yorkers' slow return to the workplace is the latest blow to the nation's biggest city, which has also suffered from homeowners fleeing Manhattan for larger spaces. I told you guys on this podcast, safety is first. If people do not feel safe, if they don't feel like their families are safe, they are going to leave. So rise in murders, rise in homelessness. All of this is going on. The shutting or partial closing of Broadway theaters, museums, or other popular attractions. Why live in New York now? What's the value add? Help me understand why someone would want to pay more rent for less space considering what's going on in New York City. So the amount of employees at their desks could also have long-term consequences for cities' economy and tax base. (laughs) We talked about that, didn't we? That when you don't have people in those seats, in those offices, creating revenue for the city, there is a problem. So get this, Metropolitan Transportation Authority, which relies heavily on commuter revenue, these are the people using the subways, the buses, the trains, they face a $12 billion, that's with a B, dollar shortfall by the end of 2021 and is considering severe service cuts. Manhattan's low office turnout has also contributed to, get this, a $9 billion drop in sales tax and other revenue the city government is projecting for its fiscal year that started July 1st. It's going to get ugly, people. And about 2 million people worked daily in Manhattan's central office districts before the pandemic, and they were mostly white-collar workers, but also employees of bars, restaurants, stores, and other businesses. And a number of once thriving outlets that depend on office workers for business have already called it quits. They're gone. They're out. 
and that has helped push the city's unemployment rate to get this 20% during the past summer. That's the highest rate in more than 40 years. So here's some examples. Cafe Metro, a quick service restaurant down the block from MetLife Building in Midtown, is closing early next month. That's October. You know, on Thursday at the start of lunchtime, the previous bustling restaurant was nearly empty with just one dining customer and another placing an order. 90% of our revenue depends on office workers and 10% depends on tourists, said the eatery's manager. We have lost both ways. We're not getting office workers and nobody wants to visit downtown major city USA with the violence that's going on. He said he used to have 55 employees between both morning and night shifts. Now he is down to six. He's calling it quits in October. <laughs> Kamukura Shirts, a high-end Japanese dress shirt store located blocks away from Grand Central Terminal, said it's closing at the end of the year. They're done. The store's manager said sales have dropped as much as 70% since mid-March. And he said, because we're located on Madison Avenue, a lot of workers around here are our customers. So New York's business and civic leaders say they don't expect a surge of workers returning soon. Remember, I said that we're going to see a huge deflating of American cities that may last a decade. And someone commented on that podcast and said they think it's going to be longer. But I think it will take about 10 years for people to start revitalizing some of these major cities. Wow. Wow. Public schools are starting to reopen after previous delays. Partial indoor dining resumes. City shopping malls and gyms also reopen their doors again. So they're, they're trying. New York is trying. But folks, when you started with such a negative situation, COVID-19 was terrible. But New York was already teetering on the edge. When you take as much as you can from people, when you take as much as you can from business, when you tax, 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 tax the hell out of people, you're on the edge of insolvency. You can only tax so much. And there are some legal considerations that are an issue, not just in New York. Business owners feel exposed to employee lawsuits if they require them to return and get infected. So they can't even force their employees to come back. And some businesses are not able to force their employees to do anything in this situation. Or they do so at their own peril. So there is some bright light. J.P. Morgan is an exception. This month, this is September, the bank told senior sales and trading employees that they were required to return to work unless they had child care issues or medical conditions. And that's about 25% of the bank's New York City employees are reporting each day. Hmm. So there have been some other businesses offering the option of a comeback. Citigroup said it would allow more employees to return on a voluntary basis. And a spokesman said that 30% of New York employees indicated on a survey that they would like to return to the workplace. That level is safe and brings enough people back into the office to create a good buzz, 
This is what the spokesperson said. Still, only 5% of its Manhattan workforce has returned. Wow. Deutsche Bank told New York City employees they don't have to return until July. Is that next year? Because it's September now. <laughs> and folks, I'm not laughing at New York. It's tragic. It's, it's a beautiful city. It's a beautiful part of the American heritage and, and most importantly, the American image. Many people visiting the U.S. from other countries, that's the first stop. They want to see New York. So it's sad. Some businesses are trying to lure employees back with free food, transportation, or other incentives. City is providing 40 days of subsidized child care, nanny placement services to help employees looking for a caregiver to supervise online learning. <laughs> These policies all have consequences. All have consequences. It's a leadership issue in New York. Hearst Corporation's benefits include free parking in the city and an additional child care reimbursement. Wow. But for some New Yorkers who recall early weeks of the pandemic, when the rates of sickness and death were amongst the highest in the world, according to reports, according to the nursing homes, according to a lot of things that New York did wrong in the beginning. Complimentary parking is not enough to get them to come back to Midtown and the prospect of mixing with crowds. Don't you remember the, 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 the television shows and the movies that depicted all of those people on the streets of New York? And I've even heard that they're not going to have crowds for the dropping of the ball ceremony on New Year's Eve this year. What about Christmas? What about all those beautiful things that we associate with New York? Parades. I don't think there's going to be people for those to happen. Many people were traumatized in New York. And if they got out and found out they could have some sense of normalcy working from home, working remotely and still able to do their jobs? Don't you think people are rethinking, rediscovering that maybe, maybe it's better if I stay where I'm at, if I work from home and still contribute? And maybe some businesses are going to realize that, man, that rent, that rent in New York, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. I think the tipping point is going to be with real estate. I've said that all along. Once people start selling properties and there's more supply than demand, real estate prices are going to drop. This is, this, this is home properties. This is personal properties. This is residence I'm talking about. And when the value of their real estate starts to approach what they owe on it, and they become afraid of going underwater, meaning that the value of their home is worth, worth less than the mortgage, there's going to be a panic. Panic selling will take place in the residential real estate. Well, guess what? Isn't the safe money that it's going to happen in the commercial markets as well? When there's so much space available, what's going to happen to those businesses who are leasing spaces? Will they relocate? Has the allure of a Manhattan address lost its luster?
This is not a doom and gloom podcast. This is a podcast about going big. But here's the thing. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Everything we do has a consequence. Some call it the law of unintended consequences. But when you push someone to their limit financially, there is a breaking point. When you push a business, someone told me that the Chick-fil-A in downtown New York pays a million dollars a month in rent. I don't know if that's true. Someone told me that it's not credible. Don't quote me. But when you push a business to its financial limit to survive and something terrible like COVID happens or violence in the streets that's tolerated or not eradicated is allowed, people are going to leave. People are going to bail. People will, will, will accept less money to keep their family safe. I think some people will never go back to New York unless they're visiting 10 or 15 years from now. I think New York is going to be at the edge of the spear when it comes to very difficult times in our major cities. And I don't think New York will be the only city. Any city that has taxed itself into risky propositions with their businesses and with their people are going to be going through a lot of difficulty over the next two years. But guess what? In 10 years, it's going to be an investor's opportunity. People will come back. The next generation won't remember the pandemic like this generation did, and there may be a revitalization of New York. But it's going to take a leadership change. It's going to take people who are not afraid to make difficult decisions for the safety of their people, for the benefit of their businesses. You see, I think that's the fundamental problem that New York City has. They did not elevate their businesses to the top of the priority list because businesses bring people. Businesses bring money. And when you push them down by taking as much as you can from them, you weaken the very foundation on which the city must survive. So if you're a New York City leader and you listen to this podcast, I hope you look directly in the mirror at what the root of this problem is. All cities are going to struggle, but they say the big, well, the big have the farthest to fall. And our glorious New York City, I think, will come back, but I don't think it will be anytime soon. And I hope this is wrong. I hope I'm not seeing reality. I hope something changes and New York becomes healthy again. I hope that wonderful things happen in Manhattan and everybody goes back. But folks, I promised you honesty on this podcast. I promised you truth. We're going big with honesty today. And if you live in New York, if you love someone who lives in New York, I think you already know that there's a lot of difficulty ahead for the wonderful people of that city of that region and many other cities around the world. I don't think New York is the only city that's going to experience this. But, but like I said, the larger cities are going to be the ones that present themselves first. Love to hear your thoughts. You can get in contact with me at johngrubs.com. There's a place to send me an email. Uh, there's tons of free information on my website. There's tons of 
information and content that you can download. You can even download one of my books for free. It's called Leadership Among Idiots, A Survival Guide for the Rest of Us. Hmm. You think there's some idiots in New York City? I'm just asking. Until next time.